Shalom, my dear friends. We are studying together the Gospels which Yeshua, the Messiah, shared with the disciples and a multitude in the land of Israel some 2,000 years ago. We've arrived to Luke chapter 13, and this parable that I would like to share with you this session is called the parable of the barren fig tree. In Hebrew, it is called Mashal Etz HaTe'ena HaAkar. Let me read the verses for us. They are found in uh, Luke chapter 13, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. And I'm reading. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came and sought fruit thereon. And he found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, this is the gardener, the gardener, says, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit of this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it, and fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Very interesting uh, parable that is called the parable of the barren fig tree. I want you to notice that in the Word of God we have three main, you might say, trees or plants that uh, represent really the nation of Israel in one aspect or another. We have, first of all, the vine, the giffen, according to Psalm 80, verses 8 to 11, and Isaiah 5. It represents Israel as the vine in God's vineyard. According to Jeremiah, chapter 11, Israel is also called the olive tree. In Hebrew, it's called the Eitz Hazait, Eitz Hazaitim. These are both Old Testament or Hebrew scripture trees that represent the nation of Israel, which the Hebrew prophet used concerning the people of Israel. But here we have a fig tree. This fig tree image represents the nation of Israel, but not so much from the historical setting in days of old, but it's really found by our Lord Yeshua the Messiah, who used this illustration of the fig tree, the Te'ena in Hebrew, in Matthew 24, and also here in Luke chapter 13. While it represents, and it speaks in this context concerning the nation of Israel, it also speaks of us individually, because you notice it is one single fig tree. In other words, with this fig tree, the lesson that Yeshua is seeking to teach as he speaks these parables to the ones that came and follow after him, he seeks to communicate with those that heard him, whether they were only the immediate disciples or others from among the nation of Israel. He is seeking to show, to teach the importance of bearing fruit. That's why it says here, in verse 6, 
He spake this parable, a certain man had a fig tree, one single fig tree, planted in his own vineyard. And he came and he sought fruit thereon and he found none. It's very natural for any man, as Yeshua speaks this parable, the example, the mashal, the comparison, it's very natural to expect to have fruit coming from your own fig tree. And it's very natural from God to expect fruit from the human race whom he had planted here in this world. And it's very natural from God to expect fruit from his own nation, the nation of Israel. And so you notice that. As Yeshua is sharing this parable, it really came, came out of the previous five verses of Luke chapter 13, where some told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Some of them came and said to Yeshua this, and the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, heard and he knew of what the Romans have done and what Pilate have done, because after all, it was very difficult for our people of Israel, the Jewish people, to be under the Roman occupation for many years. And how Pilate, the governor of the province of Judah, Judea, how he treated the people of Israel, the Jewish people. And here we learn that those that rebel against him, apparently, what did Pilate do? He mingled their blood with the sacrifices out of anger and judgment that came upon them because they rebelled against him. And that's why the Lord Jesus, immediately after he said unto these some that came to him, he said to them, do you suppose that these Galilean, namely the ones that have died by Pilate, they sinners, they are more sinners or sinners above all the Galileans because they suffered such things. He said, do you think that they are more more sinners than other Galilean because they have suffered this by the hand of Pilate? And so he said to them, no, I tell you, no. But he's directing the attention to each and every one individually. He says, listen, ye, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In other words, he wanted to move from that example to individuals who are responsible to repent, to turn to God, to confess their sins, and to turn to him and bring fruit for God individually. But not only that, nationally, the nation of Israel, who was the chosen people of God, they also need to repent and turn to God because judgment will come. And to make an application for the days in which we live in today, in the church age, the church need to repent and turn to God, except they will repent, there will be judgment by God, individually and nationally and collectively. What a lesson it is. He continued, and Yeshua reminding them in the verse 4 and 5 of Luke chapter 13, as he is just about to share this parable. He said about the 18 people upon whom the tower in Shiloh fell and slew them. Do you think that they were more sinners above all men that dwelt in the city of Yerushalayim? Do you think that when the tower fell upon 18 people who died because the tower fell in Shiloh, Shiloh in Hebrew, in English, Shiloh in Hebrew, 
And he said, do you think that, that they were more sinners than others who didn't die in Jerusalem? And he said to them, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And that's the lesson that Yeshua is seeking to teach us. The judgment will come. And because God is long-suffering, because God is patient with humanity, that does not mean that judgment will not eventually come. And now we can see that he is introducing the parable of the barren fig tree, one single tree. In Hebrew, mashal etz ha'akar. When you come to receive some fruit from your uh, uh, fig tree, you expect to get some fruit from it. And so, as he is telling this parable, this mashal, again, we always have to remember. That Yeshua the Messiah, just like any other in the history of Israel, teaching spiritual lessons by using an example here on earth. Fig tree, the vine, the olive, all kind of stories to seek to illustrate spiritual lessons. And the lessons apply to us today for the necessity to repent because for the unbeliever, if he or she do not repent, judgment will come and they will be eternally lost. For the believers, if there is not repentance in changing their manner of life, while the believers are forgiven and saved because of Yeshua's death, burial, and resurrection and the shed blood of the Messiah, but yet judgment must begin at the house of God. And while it is a, a God is long-suffering, eventually God will bring judgment. And so notice this. As we enter into that parable, as I mentioned in verse 6, Yeshua said there was one man, had one fig tree, he planted it in his own vineyard, and he sought for fruit, he came, and he found nothing. Can you imagine? God have created you and I placed us in this world? Can you imagine when we, when man reject him and does not respond to his love and grace and when he found nothing, he is very sad and because he is righteous and holy, he is demanding response. And if we, if the context has to do here with the nation of Israel, God wanted his people Israel to respond to him. Because he had chosen Israel out of every, out of all the nations of the world and he brought them it to become his own peculiar nation. And if when they did not respond to him, he had to judge them. Israel was judged when God brought the Assyrian against the northern kingdom of Israel. When he brought the Babylonian against the southern uh, tribe of Judah. And he, he judged the people. And here we are just heading towards the 70 AD when the Romans will eventually judge the, once again the Jewish people. And they will be scattered as it is up till these days. And so God is long-suffering. God is waiting for response as we find out that he comes to expect fruit, but he found none. And so in verse 7, what does this man do? He said unto the gardener, the dresser of his vineyard, he said to him, look, three years, these three years I'm coming and I'm seeking for fruit from this fig tree, 
and find nothing. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Why you, the tree will use the ground? Why even keep it here? Just cut it down and let's not expect from, from the fig tree any fruit. This speaks to us of judgment, of when there is no fruit, there is ultimately no use for it. And yes, while it is true, my dear friend, because we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, if we repent and turn to God, we can bring fruit for God. We can live for God here in this world. We don't deserve the grace of God. In sin did my mother conceive me, the king of Israel, David said. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, the prophet Isaiah of Israel said. Peter, Shimon Peter said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Shaul Paul said in Romans 7, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We all deserve to be punished because the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6. But God is gracious. And as we read here, he said, I come for three years in a row. Every time I'm coming and I'm seeking for fruit from the fig tree and I find nothing. So he said to this dresser, to this gardener, he says, cut it down because why it will even use the ground. Let's just cut it, judge it, and finish with it. And so you notice in the next verses, this is so precious because it reminds us of the grace of God, of the love of God. It touches our heart every time we think about the grace of God, the goodness of God should lead us to repent. God loves human race. God loves mankind. And God wants us to realize the necessity to turn to Him because after all, He is the Creator. We are the creatures. He is from above. We are from beneath. He allows us a certain period of time to live upon the face of this earth, but one day we're going to have to leave this scene. And then what? So notice what we read here. So that gardener is saying to this Lord, to his uh, the master, he said to him in verse 8, he says, he answered and he said to him, Lord, let it alone this year. In other words, three years passed by, another year, four years. Let it one more year until it shall, until it shall, I, I will, I will till it and I will dig around it and fertilize it, and let's see if it's going to bring fruit. Don't, don't ask me to cut it now. You know, that reminds us of the grace and mercy of God. You know, there's a verse that was, it's always precious to me, that it is found in a book of Exodus, in chapter 34, and I remember these, these verses because as a little boy, as a little boy used to sing this song with my grandfather in the synagogue in Yerushalayim. And it is still sung by our people of Israel. In the Hebrew, in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 5, how God came down in the cloud and he stood there by Moses. We read in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 5, And the Lord descended in the cloud and he stood with him there and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord himself proclaiming before Moshe, 
the lawgiver of our people of Israel, he proclaimed before him that which he wanted Moshe, he wanted Israel, he wanted all the human race to know what God is and who he is and how gracious he is. What he proclaimed, notice that. Verse 6 of Exodus 34, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundance in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children, children unto the third and the fourth generation. In other words, God is merciful and gracious, long-suffering. But you see, it does say here in this verse 7, but he by no means clear the guilty, the unrepented one. He will visit the iniquity of their fathers upon the, the children and upon the children, children unto the third and the fourth generation. If you read in the book of Deuteronomy, you find out that those that he will visit their iniquities are those that continue in their sins. That's why Yeshua said twice here in the first few verses of Luke chapter 13, he said to the some who came and showed him what Pilate had done. He said to them, Nay, but except ye repent, ye shall, in, ye shall all likewise perish. See, God is long-suffering, but one must repent and turn to him in order to receive forgiveness. He is ready to forgive, but one must repent. That fig tree, it's really representing Yeshua, the Messiah, in his public ministry. For three and a half, four years almost, he was here in public ministries, appealing to our own nation, Israel, accept me, I'm the Mashiach, I'm the Messiah, I came to redeem the nation of Israel. But as he knew it very well, Israel would not accept him at his first coming. And so notice, that gardener, in verse 8, says, one more year. Three years passed, one more year. Let me dig around it. Let me fertilize it. Let's see if the tree will bring fruit. Then he said, notice the last verse of this, Luke chapter 13 and verse 9. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And sure enough, my dear friend, as it's applied to the nation, first of all, and then to individuals in Israel as well, to you and I today, God is long-suffering. He is seeking for mankind to turn to Him. Peter said in Second Peter chapter 3, he said, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise. As some men count slackness, but He's long-suffering. To us, word, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. To repentance. In Hebrew, we call it teshuvah, lashuv, to repent, to turn back to God. And you see, sadly, 
our people as a nation at the first coming of the Messiah did not repent as a nation. Though the, all the early Hebrew believers, Hebrew Christians were all Jewish who did repent. And God used them to be the foundation of the church, of the assembly. He used them to be a blessing to the world. But the nation as a nation didn't repent. You remember what we read a bit later in the very same chapter? Chapter 13 and verse 34. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which killest the prophets and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen does gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. And he continued to say, Behold, here's a judgment. Here's a cutting down. Not up, outrooting, not uprooting, but cutting down in judgment. When the Romans came, he said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And verily I say unto you, Ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. He is saying to Yerushalayim, to the people of Israel. He brought the judgment ultimately upon our own people. And for now, for nearly 2,000 years, dear friend, the Jewish people were scattered. All our families and our people were scattered all over the world. And it's only recently that Jews returned, although there were many Jews yet left in the land, but more of them returned back and established what is known today, the state of Israel. But Israel as a nation still need to repent and turn to the Mashiach. Just like you individually need to turn to the Messiah to repent and turn to Him, to our Lord Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, and find salvation. And look what He says. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, verse 5 of Luke chapter 13, ye shall all likewise perish. My dear friend, in this parable, of the barren fig tree. God is teaching us the importance of repenting, turning back to God, accepting the Lord Yeshua HaMashiach, who paid for our sins when he died for us on the tree. Because there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And his name is Yeshua in Hebrew. Jehovah the Savior, will you turn to Him? Will you open your heart and repent and turn to Him and accept Him as your Lord and Savior? May God help you to do so. Until the next time, Shalom, Shalom, my friend.